This episode was brought to you by The Social Fishing Membership, Australia's fastest growing freshwater platform, giving you the resources to catch more fish. Welcome to The Social Fishing Podcast. My name is Reese Creed. I'm a passionate angler and I want to share as much as I can about the sport we all love. On this podcast, we speak to incredible anglers, sharing a wealth of priceless knowledge, all to help you reach your fishing dreams. Thanks for joining us today. Now let's begin. This is episode 74 of the Social Fishing Podcast. Welcome back to another episode, and this one is not going to disappoint. Whether you chase cod, trout, bass, whatever freshwater species you chase, even if you love fishing full stop, this is going to be an epic episode, even though we only talk about cod. Now, I am lucky enough in this one to be joined by Jackson Housler. Jackson lives in northern New South Wales, based in Inverell, and fishes some amazing incredible and epic country for cod. Now, the reason I love this episode, well, I love them all. They're all amazing. But in this one, we really get down and knuckle down deep on behavioral aspects of cod through the middle part of the episode. It just gets there based on talking about Jackson's story. We learn about his growing up, how he learned how to fish. He's definitely got a very interesting and unique story to tell. There's some good laughs along the way. And then through the middle period, we somehow fall into a conversation about how cod behaves and understanding conditions, big things about conditions, Um, a few examples from up in that northern New South Wales region of how Jackson has caught fish and different weather patterns, how they affect them uh, in terms of rainfall and conditions and how they behave Um, and we talk a little bit about that. It's an epic episode, so much to go into and I really could have talked for hours and hours and I'll hopefully get Jackson back on down the track to talk more about cod, cod behavior and how he catches cod. Now, Jackson knows how to catch big fish and he knows how to catch Murray cod. He's been chasing them for about a decade and he really knows his stuff because he puts in a lot of time and he's very observant about what he does. So I've been wanting to get him on for quite some time and it was awesome uh, for him to agree to do one super quick. I only messaged him a couple days ago and he was happy to jump straight on and do an episode. He also... Throughout the episode, through that middle part, we actually he shares a few life lessons and things that he's learned along the way, things he's done wrong, and um, he's since learned that, which I feel is incredibly big of him to be able to do that on the podcast. So hopefully you guys can learn a little bit about fishing, but also take away some life lessons as well. So on behalf of all of you and myself, I want to thank Jackson for his time for this episode. Righto, that is enough from me because this is a jam-packed and long episode ahead. So without further ado, let's jump in and talk with the one, the only, Jackson Housler. Welcome everyone back to another episode. Jackson, thanks for joining me, mate. I'm super pumped for this episode, uh, especially because we haven't had a stack of people on from northern New South. Welcome, mate. And I am keen to have a chat. Um, how's the fishing been up your way? Uh, thanks for having me, Reese. Um, looking forward to this um, episode and sharing some of the info I've accumulated over the years. Um, fishing is um, great at the moment. Um, after all the, the flooding we've, we've had recently, the rivers are clearing up nicely. The weed beds are starting to grow back and the, the fishing's just great everywhere and all the rivers and creeks in, in my area. So you're in northern New South. Where are you based? So I'm based in Inverell, New South Wales. So yeah, I don't know it's probably about an hour, hour, hour and a bit from the Queensland border. Um, 
Yeah, so the, the main river I fish is the McIntyre River. We've got the the Seven River, which is 50 k's away, and the Guida River, which is 40 k's away. So I'm in a, a pretty good spot for cod fishing, yeah. Yeah, and you've got Pindari and Copeton as yeah. well, yeah. which I'm the, sure you've fished a fair bit. In yeah, more, more, so, more so Copeton. Um, I, I really did fish Copeton a lot when I was younger, and I sort of burnt myself out there a bit. That's why I'm... I sort of stick to the rivers nowadays, um, just trying to catch them big fish. Like I, I was fishing pretty hard, um, and that was sort of my priority back in the day. Um, before I started like working a lot, I'd, I'd be fishing every morning out at Copeland, and I don't know. I sort of got sort of got sick of it, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. Just just repetitive, same thing over and over again, and it's always a bit different when you're fishing the rivers. So um, that's where I'm at at the moment. I, I love my river fishing. Um, and I think while I, while I can still do the long kayaking and the, the long hiking, I mean, I'm only 30, but there's going to come a time where I won't be able to do that anymore and I'll, I'll buy myself a boat then and get back out to the dams. Yeah, right. So I'm keen to talk about how that journey changed. But before we get to that, can you go back? How did fishing actually start for you way back at the start? How long have you been fishing for? Where did you grow up? How did you actually fall? Because I'm going to say you you probably love fishing as much as I do, especially cod. Yeah. How did you fall in love with chasing cod? What's the story? So it all started back, uh, I don't know, it would have been probably maybe nine or ten. Um, my mum my mom actually, not my dad, which is a bit strange. My mum used to take me out to Capes and Dam back when the redfin were, were in play proportion and we used to just throw a few few worms out um, of an afternoon. Not... not not necessarily um, often, but I don't know, maybe once every fortnight we'd go out there and just catch a bunch of redfin and just have a bit of fun. Um, I personally don't eat fish, so they all went back. Um, but yeah, that's sort of how I started. Then at the age of, uh, I, I was a pretty good, I'm going to call it football because I cringe when I say soccer. I was a pretty handy um, football player when I was younger. So I actually moved to Germany when I was 14. And spent eight years over in Germany. Really? Yeah, mate, yeah. You went to Germany from what, 14 to 22? Yep, so I played at a no pretty way. high, yeah. I played at a pretty high level over there, which most most, most people don't know. And um, I decided at the age of 22 that um, I, was, I just give, gave everything for the sport. I didn't have much of a life. And I was starting to get a bit homesick by then because I just, yeah, gave everything for football. And um, yeah, I moved back and... So you moved oh, back because of that, not because you could you could have kept going. Yeah, I was playing at a pretty high level, and I actually I actually left Germany when I found that I was at my peak. And looking back now, I think if I would have pushed myself a bit, I, I could have broke into um, like a a, de- a decent team and where I was getting paid good money. I mean, I was getting paid money, but it wasn't enough to save for a house or anything. You know what I mean? You you sort of give everything and. Um, just enough to pay your bill sort of thing. So, so what division were you in? So at, when I was playing in the youth level, I, I, I moved over to Germany, um, lived in Frankfurt. I, I went to a sports school. So I, finished, I actually finished all my schooling overseas, which um, was very hard at the start because I didn't speak the language when I moved over. So I had to learn it pretty quickly. And over there, yep. you go to year 13 over there. So I finished all my high, my high schooling and everything. But, but the schooling sort of thing was always in the backseat like I, I really wanted to push everything from the sport even though I did get some good grades over there and um, I, I signed a, a three-year contract with the with the men's team there and 
um, it came up to that that sort of stage if I was going to continue there or not. And I, I decided to go to come back to Australia then, and I actually did. Yeah. I played I played locally for a year when I came back. Had a bit of a break. Like just wanted to get my head straight, seeing what I wanted to do with my life. And then I jumped up. Um, I was traveling back and forth to Queensland. I played in the MPL there for one year with um, with the South Queensland Thunder. So you, I was traveling to Cairns, Sunshine Coast. Townsville and everything so it was, it was a bit hard being located in Inverell still living here and doing the training and traveling on the weekend so I, that's when I um sort of thought no I've got to stop this and see find a find a proper job and um work towards work towards other goals yeah cool that's an epic story because that's a pretty good uh way to grow up I guess do you do you think it was good to do that like looking back you're glad you went and finished school from 14 like you were you went that old all the way through the rest of high school like you've had such a different upbringing to any of or a lot of people in australia you know normal school and what was it like learning a new language and are you glad you did and the whole experience yeah well um as i said when i was younger like i was I was a pretty decent player um, and living in Umbrella, it was a lot of traveling to actually play in the rep teams and um, train with like quality players like myself back then. And um, there was just nothing here for me. So that was the sort of the next step. And I, I was playing in a, a, a rep team um, and we actually went over in 2006 for a tour of Germany. And that's when me and another a player, he was actually from Armadale. So Two, two towns pretty close to each other and we got invited back for a trial and and I, I said straight away to mum and dad like yeah, that this is all I want to do I want to give everything to this opportunity and um mum wasn't too happy but dad dad sort of um pushed me and helped me train and get to that stage where I thought I was ready to make that step over there and pursue my dream so that's sort of where yeah, it went nice. and um, yeah, the language was really hard to learn at the start but as I said, I, um, I had to learn it as quickly as possible because yeah, you, you need your schooling, it's very important so um, I made sure that I, I buckled down there and, and learnt the language and um, put in the effort to do my schooling and sort of try and balance schooling and, and the sport um, at the same time but yeah, it was an awesome experience, sort of all, all my better friends are still overseas so um I keep in contact with them and it, it was good to learn another language. Like I, I can still speak fluent, obviously. Um, I have a chat to my dad. He's actually German. So, yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, he moved, he moved over to Australia when he was 25 and that's sort of how that connection with Germany, um, that's sort of why that's there. My, my brother's a professional cyclist. He lives in Germany as well. Yeah. So, we're pretty, yeah, pretty, come from a pretty sporting background, which is pretty cool. That's an awesome story, mate. Yeah, thanks. That's cool. Thanks for sharing. Um, it's cool too because I, I played obviously here. Yeah. Um, and I still do. It's just for fitness, which is good fun. Yeah. Um, and when you're that age, I know what you're talking about. Obviously, you had the opportunity with your skill level to be like able to pursue it, especially in a country that, that is all they play, like there's their main sport. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it, when you're like 16, 17, 18, I can imagine you would have been all in. Um and just passionate as for the sport. So, do you are you glad that you do what you do now with the fishing? Because obviously, fishing is your 
is that pretty much what it's just work and fishing now? Like fishing has taken over that passion that was football back in the day. I'd say so, Reese. Yeah. Um, I, I sort of am missing football now, so I'm, I'm starting to get trying to get fit again. Actually, just to play locally next year because I miss it. But that the fishing, like, or mainly like the Murray cod fishing, that's definitely definitely taken that that sort of I don't know that passion that I had for football. It's now turned into Murray cod fishing sort of thing, and um, yeah. I, I honestly, I don't, I don't think I could go a week without chasing them. Like it, chasing. It, it's easy in, in close season. Like I, I don't fish for them in the dams during close season. Nothing like it's fully um um just just dedicated. Yellows, yeah. trout, bass. Yeah, yellows, yeah. trout. Not so much bass. I do do um I do do a trip over the hill to chase some bass, but this year was actually mainly trout. Um, I'm I'm complete novice when it comes to trout, but I. I found a bit of water um, close by and there's lots of creeks and rivers around the area where you can catch a decent trout. So it's, it's pretty fun and it keeps you going until the cod season opens again. Nice, nice. So you come back uh, 22. How's the cod story evolved from that? Um, so I've basically, I was a complete novice, didn't, didn't know anything about them. They were just sort of a, a, a thing like you, you're seeing on maybe Facebook of someone. Did you fish overseas? Sorry to cut you off. No. You wouldn't have fished it. I hardly. Like sometimes I'd go out. Like I didn't really have that passion for fishing then because I had no time. But, yeah, we yep. we did go and chase a few um, reddies over there, which like they're, they're pretty fun over there too. That They get to a good size over there. But um, I didn't do much fishing at all um, just, just because I didn't have any time really. Um, yeah. So the – how it started with cod was, yeah, I was just seeing pictures um, on Facebook and stuff, and I was like, oh, man, they look so cool. I was like, I, I just want to catch one. And um, I was pretty lucky that um, some of the blokes I knew, they sort of um, took me under their wing. They took me out to some good spots where there's a great abundance of cod. But my actual first encounter with the cod was was pretty funny. Um, I went kayaking out to Pindaro Dam with with my dad because he's he's right into kayaking he doesn't fish or anything but he loves his kayaking and his adventure and stuff and I, I feel like that's where my passions come from too because i love the outdoors i love like the bush and the, everything that goes with that that's why i love my river fishing so much yeah but um yeah i was i was fishing in a kayak and back then uh, i honestly i hated fishing out of a kayak i was like i, I can't do this like this is, <laughs> this is just so hard so um, so I jumped out on um, one of the islands and I was just I was just casting like a, a spin rod. Didn't couldn't tie knots. Didn't know anything about like the gear anything. or nothing, nothing yeah. at all. And I was just casting out like one of them old school hard at it little hard bodies that I picked up from the local tackle shop. And this thing hit me, and I was like, oh my god! Like shivers went down my spine. I was like, oh my god, oh my god! Started winding it in. And, I got it to my feet. It, it honestly, it would have been about 75 centimetres for my first fish. Wow. And I was so stoked and I was trying to yell out to dad to come over because he's a professional photographer. I was like, can you, can you come over and help me? And I honestly knew nothing about it, like pulled the line up and the the line snapped and off he went with my lure. So that was my first encounter with a cod. <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's... um. That's a pretty good story. If such a big fish and a loser, there's like, right, and what have I done wrong? Yeah. And you learn from that, I guess. Yeah. So it's a pretty cool, pretty cool first experience, especially to have such a big fish. Yeah. And for you to get so excited of it, over it. So then I guess it just has gone from there. Yeah. 
100%. That's cool. That's cool. So then what, you just full dedicated yourself for obviously the next, what, that was eight years ago or something? Yeah, would um, Yeah, pretty much when I moved back to Australia, I started, started to get into it and from, from there, it just became a passion. Like every... When did you come back? 2015? Oh, I'm not too sure. I'd have to work it out. But yeah, I was there for eight years, 14. So yeah, it would have been around then, yeah. Yeah, right. So then did you jump within a couple of years straight into that Copeton stuff that was going off through that 15, 16, 17 period? Yeah, so, so pretty much, you went? yeah, um, I was pretty lucky that some blokes um, around, like we've, we've got a lot of anglers around Inverell that, that chase cod and stuff and they sort of started to take me out and um, on their boat and stuff and I, um, I sort of picked up a few things off each person I was going out with because I, I absolutely... I, I knew nothing like they had to tie my knots for me, had to tie the lures on. Had to ch- You're one of those people that are like, oh, do I have to take him? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what I'd pester them for them to take me. That's exactly what I was like. I was, I was one of them annoying little kids. It was like, can you just take me out? Like, I don't care. We can fish all night, all day. I just I just want to go out. And I was yeah. I was exactly like that. Like, just knew absolutely nothing at all. And um, so, yeah, we started going out to the dam, like, fishing, like, now – I'd never do that. Like, we'd just go out every afternoon, fish all night. Like, now it's more about the bite times, the moon, like the water level, the water flow, everything sort of plays a role for me. So I wouldn't, I would never fish like that again, but that's what we used to, used to do back then. It would, it would wreck you. But anyway, so we started to catch a few good fish and I, um, uh, I still had all my knots getting tired for me and I was sort of a bit lazy with that. Like, I didn't want to learn how to do it because I thought it was too hard back then and whatnot. But yeah, I started catching a few good fish and it really just came about catching that first meter. And um, I, 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 I can remember it as clear as day. I, I was fishing um, with a bike in a boat and I cast out. This was when like the fishing in Copeland was, was awesome too. Like you'd go out to Copeland and you, you would know you'd get a, a good hit from a big fish or you'd get one. Like it was insane yep. fishing back then. Nothing like it is today. Anyway, the surface bite was really good back then. Um, so we were throwing top water early morning, and it was like one of on one of them water stalker paddlers in the in the white there, where everyone was catching them on them. Anyway, cast out to this stump and um, this massive buff, and like I struck way too early, and the lure came flying out of its mouth. And the bloke I was fishing was like, "Oh, I don't think he'll come back, but um, yeah, don't, don't." Like let the fish take it. Don't don't pull it out of its mouth. And I cast straight back out there. Sure enough, made nine. And oh, you're yeah, kidding! That doesn't happen too often in, in the dam. He came back. Yeah. Never happens. Yeah, never, never. It, it rarely happens with big fish. Full stop. Even yeah. I don't know your experience on big river fish, but a lot of them once they do it once, they don't come back. Exactly. Yeah. So I was I was, wow. I was pretty lucky, and and from then on, like from then on, when I caught that big fish, it was. It was all about big fish for me then. Like, I, I, like honestly, I can, I can say now I, I, I didn't care about little fish. I just wanted to chase big fish and that's why I started like smashing coped and it, like every bit of free time I had, I was out of coped and that's sort of why I think now like I burnt myself out there, like repeating, my, doing the same thing over, over, over again, just trying to catch a big fish. Yeah, right. So 
you how long how long from did you catch any how many small ones did you catch before that meter how how many was it a year within a year you caught your first meter oh, after that experience with your dad at Pindari or was it a few years oh within maybe six months I was, I was pretty lucky right. yeah, yeah. It, it came pretty yeah, right. pretty quickly but I was fishing hard in them six months to catch a big one but yeah it finally happened and from then on like everyone says once you catch one it, it becomes a bit easier then yeah and then did you catch so after that experience at Pindari, was it straight to Copeton or did you fish rivers or you totally skipped them? You didn't do any river stuff and it was all impoundment a from the get go. A little bit of um river stuff just to I did a little bit of river stuff by myself just to um just to, before you could get blokes to take you. Yeah, pretty much before before blokes were like, Oh yeah, you can jump in my boat and we'll take you out. But I, I was just fishing like in town in the McIntyre, but the funny thing is like if I get catch a fish like or get busted off like i couldn't fish anymore because i couldn't tie knots and i was sick of oh yeah yeah, yeah like i, I yeah. was sick of losing lures like so i'd have to like call one of call one of the blokes something like can you just quickly tie me a, a knot and tie my lure back on it it was getting ridiculous so i was like i need to i need to um, learn how to do this myself yeah when did that happen did you tie your own knot for that meter or not no, I didn't tie mine not for that. No, it was tied by the. When did you learn? Do you know how to tie them now? Yeah, of course I do. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> it's it's it was funny back then. Um, yeah. So that is a good story. The, the the story about um, I don't know. It might have even been close to a year where I was getting my knots tied for me. That's how bad it was. I was just super lazy, and I just thought if I tied them, like I'd get busted off by a big fish. So I was like, I don't. Is that what you were scared about? Exactly. That's what I was scared about. And I, oh. Back then, I was chucking tantrums. Like I was a complete different person to what I am today. Like I was just a, I was, a, I'd act like a little kid when when I drop a fish or lose a big fish. And but the the story about the knots was, um, I don't know if you know him, but many many people around our area um, know him. He actually had a, a stocked dam close to Pin, uh, close to Copeton. His name was Nick Rhodes. Yeah, no, don't know, but so, keep going. Yeah, so he had a um a stock dam close to Copeland full of big cod. And anyway, one morning he just said, Jackson, I'm I'm so sick of tying these knots for you. Like you you need to learn if if you want to keep doing this, you need to learn how to knots. And so he got me like two big pieces of rope and he was like, Come on, over and over again, I'll show you. And even then I was like struggling, I just couldn't understand like how to what knot was he teaching you i don't even know what it's called even when people fish with me they're like what is that and it, like it's super quick and i've i've never had any issues with it like i can oh so the knot he taught you is in that same knot you tie today exactly and yep. you don't know what it's i called. don't even know what it's called it's just something he made up like it, i know how to do an fg now and all the other all the other knots there are out there but this one i don't know it just brings back the memories where um like where i used to um just go not be out of time yeah right? and um so i don't even know what it's called but people will fish with me and we're like what like when i when you change your leader or whatnot they're like what is that i've never even seen that before and i was like i don't even know what it's called uh, um nick showed me it and i've i've stuck with it um all through my fishing life and i've, I've absolutely never had a trouble with it never been busted off or nothing on that knot so and it's super quick so which is good so he had you there with rope time. Exactly, yeah. And he said, mate, I'm not taking you out in the boat until you learn this because I, I, I'm sick of teaching you. So he taught me taught me all the knots, taught me like the, the loop knot, the, like just simple knots, blood knot, everything. Like he just downpacked it on me. So I was super grateful for that because the other blokes were trying to teach me like an FG knot, getting super frustrated with me because I was absolutely hopeless, like complete novice, didn't know anything. 
didn't know. Yeah, just like a little kid. That's eh? funny. That is funny. And you weren't even little. You what were you twenty three or something? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I, I sort of I, I sort of behaved like a little kid back then. Like I, I was I was super spoiled. Like people would take me out all the time in their boats. Um, sort of like pretty much putting me on the, on on the good fish back then. So I'm I'm very grateful for that. Looking back now, and I've sort of um. I've sort of created my own style from different people I've fished with in the past, if you know what I mean. Like you, yep. you would have too. Like I've listened to you how you talk about cod fishing. Like how you've said you look, you love to fish with people, like in yep. a boat. Where whereas, like I enjoy fishing with people too, but I also like to have my own time by myself because I don't know. It for me out there when I'm when I'm fishing, like I forget everything else what's going around in my life when I'm by myself. And yep. that's what I like. What I really enjoy about it as well. I think a lot of people. That is one of the biggest takeaways for a lot of people, yep. especially those who fish by themselves or and people who fish together. Yep. But definitely one of the biggest takeaways is people forget about everything mm-hmm. going on. Yeah. Um, which is really good, and I feel like I don't do that enough because I do it to create content. Yeah. So it's very rare that I don't go out with a camera. Um, and when I do, so like we do take time to do it, but when the camera's there, you, you, it's sort of connected to what you got to do when you get home. Yeah. So the fishing is a part of it. But luckily for me, I get to fish probably a lot more than others because of that. Yeah. So that, that's like a trade-off, I guess. But um, I like how what you just said about you forget about everything, which is what a lot of people do with fishing, yeah. which is really good. Um. So... That's what that happened. So how long did you get a boat for Copeton for yourself, or you just no, piggybacked off people just, for three or four years? Just piggybacked off people, which is um, <laughs> I was pretty lucky, like I said, and I'm super grateful for everyone that used to take me out. And um, if if they didn't take me out and teach me sort of what I know today, like I I, I wouldn't know anything really. You know what I mean? Because there was nothing like what you do back then, where you could listen to podcasts or there was a few magazines, but um, yeah, nothing where you could sort of pick up some stuff and put it straight straight into work, you know what I mean? Like um Yeah, so you learnt from others. You didn't Yeah. And if you were to if you were to do it if you would have gone out in a boat on your own, it would have taken you ages, yeah. Ages. Yeah. yeah. You still wouldn't know how to talk. Actually you wouldn't you'd be losing fish with granny knots. Exactly, yeah. So yeah. I'm sorta of, yeah, I'm I was pretty lucky to be honest that I learnt very quickly like in saying that, like I was pretty lazy for that first year, but after that, like I, I learned very quickly how to chase like a big fish, what what to do, like what lures to throw. You know what I mean? Um, yep. And um, I don't like. And nowadays, like especially the last twelve months or so, I'm I'm honestly I'm trying to give back a lot to um, like the fishing community, mainly like Murray Cod, because that's just sort of what I do. But I, I like to help kids and like I'll give them or like. My used lures that because I'm I'm pretty lucky that I'm supported by a big company like Beaver Fishing and um so I try to give a lot back like I, out of my own pocket I stock fingerlings um into the rivers That's and awesome. th- into the creeks like where um it was very drought affected for through the drought we had a couple of years like I try and give a lot back now um the years before like honestly Rich I can say I, I was a bit of like I don't want to swear anything but I was a bit um, I'm grateful for the people that helped me. Um, I've lost I've lost friends through fishing, um, which is I wish I could take everything back now. And like, it's not worth losing a friend. It's just fishing at the end of the day. And there's just people out there like were, that were friends 
outside fishing that um, I wish that we were still like out there fishing together and stuff like that. So it is a bit sad, yeah. but um, I guess that happens to everyone. I've heard other stories like on a, on a podcast that you done, um, you were talking to one of the fellas and he said the same thing, like he's, he's lost lost a mate through fishing and this is just not the way it should be like there's so much negativity um around the social media side of things now and, um i don't know like back then maybe I, I was doing the same thing as well being a bit negative about how people fish or what they do and at the end of the day everyone just loves murray cod fishing so we should all just get together and have a good time and enjoy it so that's sort of how i've changed like in the last 12 months like i'm trying to give back i'm trying to I get a lot of messages like where to fish, what to throw, because a lot of people come around our area to fish. So I, I try and put them in the good spots um, to bring happiness to them because it's brought me so much happiness. Like I just can't explain like what it what it means to me when I catch a big fish. Like every time it doesn't matter. Like it's it's never the same. I just get my knees go weak. I get shivers and I just love it. So I try and help everyone now and um, I just want to try and get positivity back into the Murray Cod scene because it, it sort of went downhill for a while, if you know what I mean. Well said, mate. Yeah. Um, and good on you for admitting to past mistakes yeah. as well, especially to an audience. I know that's pretty difficult, um, but it's probably it makes you an even better person than, say, if you were not like that, you know, if you were like that the whole way as you are now. But to go back and go, I was the way I was acting, the things I was doing was wrong. Hundred um, percent, poss possibly yeah. that saying that you were selfish, but whereas you're not now, so good on you um, yep. for saying that. That's that's really that's really big of you. And the other thing too, I wanted to say is it's awesome that you have the mindset of helping and sharing, which is exactly as you were saying that last bit there. I'm like, that's exactly why I do what I do. Yeah, hundred percent. Is I knew how good, how exciting it was for me to go catch a fish when I was learning. I had people who helped me. Because, like I said, there was nothing like what I've what we've created now. Um, yes, there were magazines, but having someone sort of help you was so big, so huge, that early on I realised, what happens if someone else wants to do this and doesn't have a connection? There's so many people who don't know people or don't know someone who fishes and then doesn't get the opportunity. Mm -hmm. So, pretty much what you said is nail on the head, mate, about helping others. So, that's really good to hear. Um, and the other thing I wanted to ask you because I think that negativity that you're talking about is some of that, there's a lot of it, but is some of that from the whole keeping stuff a secret thing, being selfish or... Um, I, yeah, I'd say, yeah, because or, because I was selfish. Um, I, I, honestly, I, I, looking back now, I, I was super ungrateful for the people, right. the people that sort yeah. of took me under their wing um, showed me their sort yep. of sort of their ways, took me to spots. Um, I don't know. Like looking back now, if if I could replay it all again, like I, I'd, them guys are like legends. Like to to yes. show me what they know and um, to do to like get me from being a total novice to catching big fish at a good rate, like in a year's time, like. Uh, and you didn't yeah. show them any respect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. I don't know. Huge life lesson, mate. Yep, Huge it is. Life lesson. It is. So for the young kids out there, like, like I, I take young kids out now, um, and they're super respectful. Like they send you a message after you take them out and said thanks so much, Shaka. Like I really appreciate that. Like I didn't do that sort of stuff back there. I was like, oh, when it, right. when it, when are you going to take me again? Like you know what I mean? Like yeah, just super, yep. super, super, super selfish. So I'm sorry 
if anyone's listening to out there, but um, yeah, I, I shouldn't have, shouldn't have, shouldn't have acted like that because that's not what it's about, and um, you should just be having a good time together, and um, that's what I am now. When I when I fish with my mates, like it's it's just full banter and good times, and awesome. that's what it's supposed to be like. Yeah, and another thing I'd, exactly. I'd like like to mention is um, I'm sure you know him. Everyone knows him in the cod scene, um, Adam Townsend. Like I've learned so much from him. He took me under his wing when I knew absolutely nothing. Um, so I'm very grateful for him in particular um, for taking me out in his time and showing me sort of his style of fishing, which is a lot what I sort of do today. Awesome. Yep, so super grateful. He's an awesome. Yeah, he, he's a good, great fisherman, great bloke and um, – great bloke yeah super stoked to um having learnt from him awesome mate um that's actually now you mention it i can see a lot of the style of what you do yeah from what he did back in the day yeah um which is really cool so that being said that is awesome so for everyone take a lesson from this episode is to be respectful just enjoy fishing for what it is and then also a lot of the negativity in the fishing world comes from the whole digital aspect of it the social aspect of it the social media stuff so exactly what you said there about fishing in general and the people you come in contact with we should all be applying to people we don't know but the whole social media part mm-hmm. of it as well um okay cool so that's where you're based you got your northern the, the the rivers you talked about up in that area the mcintyre is it the seven the guida yeah they're the main three that i fish but in saying that like every every creek um around our area has cold in it without a doubt yeah nice nice and they're the three bigger ones like they're the bigger yep rivers yep for sure yep. um and then is it mainly gorge country like rocky boulder sort of water um so yeah we've like the the gorge country above pindari um and then you've got the gorge country above copeton which is the guida above pindari is the seven the McIntyre, you don't have much much gorge until you get down towards um, the junction where the McIntyre and the Seven join. There's a bit of a gorge a section there, but the gorge country is definitely, um, I don't know, I've just got so many good memories there of ca- catching really big fish and it's sort of my home away from home. If, if anyone sees my pictures and my videos and stuff, um, there's just a heap of big fish around that area. And I, I know, like, now that the dam's come up, it hadn't been up for for a long time, but I'm not sure if you've been up there, Reese. but when the dam's low at like down to 30%, it opens up all this gorge country, like river section, and there's just big fish everywhere. So I'm, I'm so, so keen for the dam to drop. Um, <laughs> so you, you even though you stopped sort of fishing the dams after you burnt yourself out, you're still sort of fishing inside the dam bed, but in the river well, itself. Yeah, that's where I'm at, yeah, most of the time. Yeah, now. nice. Um, so I want to, we'll get back to in a minute about fishing that rocky country because I learned a lesson on a recent trip I did fishing rocky country. Um, and I want to talk about that, but I'm going to say, I had a question here for you, but I'm going to say your favorite, what's your favorite style of chasing cod? Obviously we know it's river systems, but what's your favorite maybe season and approach for your river fish? If you could pick one day, time of year to go and do a certain technique, what would it be? So, um, nowadays, like I said before, back then I was totally into just catching big fish, didn't, didn't care about catching little ones, but now I just love to get out and enjoy it. So I don't care what size they're, they're all good. Really? Yeah. Now you go on, so you went from 
not sorry to cut you off. You went from wanting to catch a first one, but it went straight to a big fish. Yeah. Whereas normally people are like catch heaps of little ones for a couple of seasons and then go, I'm ready for that next challenge. You kind of are going the other way. Yeah, exactly. Like I just there's sections on the McIntyre where you don't run into a big fish. Um, very seldom you run into a big fish, but I still enjoy doing like a a kayak trip from A to B, like a 10k. 10k um, trip in the kayak where I know I'm not going to catch a big fish but you catch a lot of numbers it's still a lot of fun like and sort of when you're looking after the fish you know that they're going to get to a decent size anyway so it's always good just to go out and and catch a few like I I still they've all got amazing patterns they all they all hit the lure very hard and it's just I don't know I just like like fishing for cod in general now, but um, it, it's always a bonus when you run into a big one. Like when you're fishing the gorge country, like I said, above the dams, it, like you, you don't go out there to catch numbers, you go out there to catch a big one, obviously. And um, right. But the the main the main sort of time, if I were to go for for a big fish, would be March, April, May, the lead up to winter. Yep. Another thing people don't know is like I cannot, I can't fish in winter. Like I'm, I'm just super like just super well not scared but super um i don't know how to say it like i just i'm just a wuss in in the cold weather like i can't stand it like i can't wear gloves when i'm fishing for some reason so did you do the winter stuff at back, back then yeah that's what i mean like i think i, I really burnt myself out in the winter like because everyone was like oh you have to be out there in winter to catch a big fish which which is certainly not the case now like i, I reckon you can catch a big fish all year round, um, especially in the rivers. But like I said, March, April, May, they're they're the three big fish months for me in the in the river leading up to to winter. I found in the rivers, like I, I've got a big diary here of like all my trips. I, yeah. I write down so so much information, like the the most information you could think of. It, it's all in here, and from that you you learn. Like you're never going to learn everything about a Murray cod. No one ever will. But there's certain patterns that I've got in my diary where I know like I'm in a good chance that I'm going to catch a big fish. I'm not sure if you've seen it, but I went out, um, maybe I think it was last week. I said to, um, I said to my partner Laney and, um, I said to a few other, my mates, I said, I know I'm going to go out and catch a big fish now, hundred percent guaranteed. And I, I caught two over the meter within 45 minutes. Right. Yeah. And what'd you line that up with? So, the thing up there is in the gorge country. So when people say they're river fish, they're, they're actually not. Like they're, they're dam fish that have come up at 100%, mark, um, 100, at the 100% mark. They've made their way up the river and then they get stuck in these these big holes. So they're, they're dam fish. They're not river fish. Yep. So we had like we had all that rain um, for for a month, just, just like you guys did all down the east coast. We had a heap of rain. And like the the rivers and stuff, they were they were unfishable. Like and yep, the first the first time you sort of when you got a little bit of clarity in the water, like we started to catch a lot of good fish up there. Me and a couple of my other mates, and then it sort of went from one extreme to the other. Like it, it Nelly Nelly was like, "Oh no, we're we're going back into a mini drought." We just didn't have any rain for ages, and we got about I don't know, maybe I think they got fifty mil up at Bandara, which is like the headwaters of the Guada. So yep. I waited a day and luckily it fell on a day I, I wasn't, I didn't have to work and I, I looked, so I look, I'm constantly looking at the water flows on, on the app here and I look, I said, yep, 50 mils yesterday, that fresh is going to make its way down to the particular area where I'm fish. 
them big fish are going to be at the head of the pools with their face up they're either going to be trying to get into the next hole or they're going to be waiting for food to come down and sure enough there they were as soon as i got there you, you could you could literally see big big fish like straight in front of you sight casting big fish right so did you fish as that water just hit or so you've obviously got 50 mil of rain yeah. you've got just before it rises, you've got just as it rises, then you've got it rising till it peaks, then you've got it dropping. Yeah. Which period did you plan your trip on for that flow? So, like at what part of that flow were you fishing? So I think when I looked that morning, because I, I didn't plan on going fishing that morning, I had a lot of stuff I had to do around the house and I looked and I was like, like I'm not sure exactly like when the, the water would hit that particular um, section yes. of the river. I'm not 100% sure, but I think I timed it perfectly, which which, which was a bit, of, a bit of a luck thing. I think I actually timed it perfectly because the fish were there as soon as I got there and within an hour, they'd all disappeared like back down deep into the holes. And you could you could see like that I've got videos and stuff like the, the, like the little bobby cod that come up from the dam and the catfish, they were all up, up at the top of these holes and that they were hiding up in the shallows because they knew the fish were there. Like they, they would not move. They wouldn't come out because they knew they would get eaten. So Yeah, right. So was it the start of the flow? Like did you notice I, the river still rising or on its way down? I, it definitely like because with this app I've got, um, it, it measures the, the water flow every four hours, I think. So I think I actually hit it that morning as the water came down that section of river, which, which obviously turned them on. And another massive thing for me is the moon. Like I, I fish to the moon. That's the main thing for me. A moon rise, yep. moon, moon rise, moon drop or moon above. Like I, I'm very particular on, on the moon. And that morning, that particular morning, it, I think it was only like a, a half moon or something, but that, that half moon was um, at, like at the, the fullest point. So at the highest point, sorry, above the river. And yep. that was the bite time. Um, I didn't catch another fish um, after that sort of that owl bite time. They all shut down. I fished all right through to the afternoon, just just on dark. Actually, met up with another few people that come out, and that no one no one even got a bite. So I think I was there at the, the right time. And looking back, I've I've done that so many times up in the gorge where I've waited for that flow um, because it is such a high pressured section of river. A lot yep. of people fish it, but they they don't catch fish because you really need to time it right, which is what I tell right. people because they travel from Queensland and stuff and it, it does, it gets flogged, but you really have to time. Um, if you want to catch them big damn fish that, that pushed up the river, you, you've got to time it properly. Yeah, right. So you would have been fishing as that flow was running through. Yeah. Like it, it, it wasn't before the flow, no. it was while the flow was pushing, giving them the room to either food to come down yep. or them to move over the yep. over up to the next pool. Yeah. And obviously it's and it's sorry. Um it's right. it's a lot of the water is obviously more um like a lot more oxygen up there obviously. So I'm not sure if it's mainly the food or if they push up there because they of the oxygen or they push up there because they want to try and get into the next hole. I'm not quite sure. I think it's like the whole three things together but there was just so many fish like pushed up it, like this particular hole where I first started, there was just so many big fish um, pushed up in there. Like it's unbelievable. How does the um, clarity go when it does that? For example, if we were down here and that happened, mm -hmm. you've got a massive run of dirty water that would come with it. 
and we find that they feed really good up until, but we don't have pools. So, we've just got a river. Yeah. So, they don't need the flow to get to the next pool. They don't need the flow to push food down because it's kind of a flat, boring river. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no pools, which I imagine what your river looks like further downstream. Um, so, for, for our fish, that same scenario, they feed really good up until the flow hits and then they switch off because it goes dirty. What does the color of the water do up there? Does it change much or not too bad for 50 mil of rain? So 50 mil, because we hadn't had that much rain, um, it stayed pretty clear. Like it, it had a little bit of a tinge to it, but like like I said before, I could, I could see like fish just fish. just sit, sitting there. Um, but it, honestly, it fishes even better when when you get a lot of rain up there. So like you you get like sort of a mini flood or whatnot, and it backs back down, and the fish like the the big fish they're obviously sitting in the back eddies away from the big flow. And yep. you, honestly, when you snow joke, you can you can stand on a rock and you you just do a little underarm cast into the back eddy, bang you on a big fish. It's it's pretty oh, yeah. it's pretty crazy up there. Um, that's why I'm looking forward for the dam to drop because that's where I really learned how to fish. Um, in that particular river, in that gorge country, I spent so many mornings by myself um, learning, like just learning by myself how to fish yeah. that particular river in that sort of section. And honestly, I don't, I don't know how many metre fish I've caught over the years up through that section. It, it's insane. Like I've got a little photo album i put all my meter fish in and um so i'm very lucky to live where i live i'm super blessed people see big fish all the time but it's because i live in a good area it's not because i'm a, a gun angler or anything like that i just i've, I've learned when to go when when to fish it properly and um yeah it's it's not because i know everything i certainly don't it's just because what i've learned i put it into a particular area um, and I, I seem to do really well then through the things that I've yeah. learned over the years. Yeah, I'm going to argue with what you said. I'm going to say I reckon you are a gun angler because you take the time to learn and do what needs to be done. Just talking about the flow and the moon, yeah. I think that is, and I know you don't want to say it yourself, but I'm going to say it, you, that that is what makes someone who knows how to fish a good angler. I'm going to say you are. Plus, you do live in a good part of the world. Yeah, so, you mix so, those yeah. two together and you're, um, you're cheering. So, can you go back to the moon for me? Because yep. you probably heard me talk about it a bit and I even did a podcast with Steve Starling where I asked him but, um, about the moon and I honestly have probably been a bit, um, I don't know what the word is, but I've kind of ignored the moon more than I should have as I grew up. Yep. Um, and that's something I've probably made a mistake doing and Karen and Dan will appreciate, even uh, Hocko will appreciate me admitting to that. The moon obviously plays a big role and I just could never work out why. Obviously, the light is one thing, but I couldn't work out what it was. But after Hocko even asked him the other day and he's like, you just got to trust that they somehow are connected to moon like 100%. Other, anim other animal species. Um, and they just, for some reason, are drawn to behaving in a certain way during that period yep. and that one of those behaviors is feeding. So, you're telling me from your experience... You fish around the moon, but is that just anything that's above, below, rise or set? Is that pretty much how it works? So, yeah, they're, they're the three main ones, obviously. Like, like, I love fishing around a full moon, like, especially when it, it sort of comes around that morning when you've got first light, first light and you see the, the big full moon coming up over the hill. Like, oh, honestly, that I've caught, like, 70% of my big fish around that time. There was, 
there's a funny story actually. Um, I was actually fishing with Adam Townsend, and we were um, hiking up one of the rivers, not in Lord Country or anything. And we actually did not fish that morning until we waited to see that moon just coming over the hill on first light. And no joke, we got up to this hole and we just called it. Hey, and we said, sure enough, within 15 minutes, I'd bang like a 102, like proper river fish out of out of the seven. Um, and we both caught it. Like it's, it, I don't know what it is either. Like like you said, and other people, I don't know what it is, but it it just it's like a light switch. Like it just yeah it just turns them on and I, I think a lot of people are starting to learn about the moon phase but they still don't fish that moon above like throughout the like the day yeah yeah because there's always a moon above and a moon below yeah. every day yeah every day um, exactly so people and so yeah. do you prefer the do you prefer the moon rise and set just as much as moon above and moon below because sometimes you'll have your moon rise or your moon set during the middle of the day yeah oh i I tend to look at that, the moon rise um, and moon fall. It doesn't matter when when it is, what time of the day. Like, I, I like to fish around that time. Like, I, I try to time my trips. It's a bit hard now when, you, when you've got to work and all this other stuff going on. But, like, if I'm looking at a particular time or um, a particular river, like, I, I will try and get out around that, that, that moon phase, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because it... Um, phase, yeah. yeah. When the moon moon is at certain point. Yes. So, what about your your thoughts on full moon and new moon? Because at a full moon, your rise and your set coincide with sunrise and sunset. Yeah. So you've got your sunrise and sunset bite period, and you've got your full moon, which means you've got no moon throughout the entire day and throughout the entire night. Like your rise, you got no moon above. Actually, you do. You have your moon above at midday. Yeah. Um, on a full moon. So obviously, you've got. Have you found that? Full moon and new moon, you have really strong bite windows on your first and last light. Hundred percent, like yeah. You you ne- you're honestly if, if when you get right into fishing and you sort of learn these things, like like you've obviously learnt too. But you, I just, I don't honestly I don't know what it is, but you you need to if you want to catch like consistently good fish and that you need to sort of learn your own way around the moon and sort of just write everything down and you sort of. Like you, you don't learn everything, but you learn certain patterns, like when they bite around the moon and stuff like that. We could go on about it for ages, but I sort of, when people ask me like, oh, when do I go? I said, mate, like I, I give them a few tips and stuff, but the best thing is to go out yourself. And even if you don't catch a fish, you write down why you didn't catch a fish. I said, look at the moon. Yep. Look at look at the water flow. Look at the level. Look if if you've seen any bait fish, what lures you were throwing, the wind, like the conditions, everything. So many variables. Exactly. Though. So you find out when you write a heap of stuff down. You're like, okay, I didn't catch any fish that time. Oh, look, same conditions. I didn't catch any fish. Don't go then. Like, I yeah. People just want to go out and enjoy themselves. But if you go and fish, like sometimes it it's it's a waste of time. Like going sometimes like this. There's times when I was going out and I was like, I wasn't confident. Like confidence is a massive thing. You've got to be confident that you're going to catch a fish. But just write yeah. everything down, like every single little detail you can. What times you caught the fish, what lures you were throwing, what worked, what didn't, moon level, flow, everything. Just write everything down, and you'll um you'll learn so much just from that, just by doing things by yourself. Awesome, mate. That's good stuff. Um, and it goes. It does go a long way. I I think that moon. 
plays, especially the moon during the daytime in a river plays a big role. Because rivers are a lot of, they got shadows, the fish are opportunistic, they'll hit. I noticed that in the dams, say for example here at Blaring, the water's so clear, you're still better off fishing the moon or something or the barometer during the dark than you are the moon during the day because the day is so tough 100%. as it is. Um, obviously, there might be a little bite window for those fish in the daytime, but you still, you've obviously got your other factors like your river, your barometer, your season, uh, depending on what they're doing, but also your light as well. So I think rivers, I've looked back, I even looked back at a few fish that we caught, some of the big fish we caught randomly throughout the day in a river and a few of them lined up. Obviously, some don't. You know, you catch fish at the right time. So sometimes when you go for a session, you still fish all day or you still fish the entire time you're there. Um, but like you said, if you've only got a window or a short pocket or if the conditions totally don't line up, maybe it's not worth going and saving it for another time. Exactly, yeah, because you're just in that busting yourself. And like, well, I know I'm getting to that stage now. Like when I when I head out on a, a big session up the river and like do like a 20K hike or something, I'm, I'm buggered the next day. Like I can't do that anymore like I used to when I was younger. So um, I really try and save, like on my days off from work and stuff, I, I try and plan the trip around the conditions and the moon and stuff to, to make sure I'm hitting the water at the right time. Yeah. So talking about that, did you plan for your cod opening trip, the most recent one, which I saw you caught a lot of fish on for a day and a half? Was that planned around conditions? Um, so I actually got invited by one of my mates um, to do like a drift in, in a little titty um, in one of the rivers, um, it's not a river. Oh, it's the same sort of river that I fish, but not a section that I've fished much of much at all. So I actually got invited and I was like, oh, I'll jump on that any day because to yep. get such an invite off someone like that that knows knows the water, like you can't really turn that down. And uh, I like doing them sort of things with people. Um, it's good banter and it's it's fun catching like good fish. And my mate Brader actually got a... Um, he did. Oh, I reckon honestly, he dropped a fish that was well over a meter, and um, I was giving it to him like, for at least three hours. I said that was that was over a meter for sure, and he was like, "Oh, do you reckon it was?" And I was like, "It definitely yeah. was." <laughs> but um, he ended yeah. up banging like a, a ninety-four or something, maybe half an hour later. And then again, like when we we caught big fish within, like I'm saying, big fish, maybe. 80 centimetres to that 95, 80s, yep. which, which are good yep. river fish. I, I'm stoked as when I catch an 80 centimetre out of the river. Um, but again, it was moon above, middle of the day, overcast conditions. And when that moon was at its highest point, we banged good fish for like 45 minutes and then shut down again. Yeah, isn't it yeah. funny, eh? But yeah, that that plan, that, that trip there was planned. Um, I, got a, I d- wasn't sure what I was going to do for cut opening, but Brado was like um, the water... The water levels are, are, are pretty good. Um, are you keen to jump in the, and do a drift with me overnight? And I jumped on that. I said, "Sure, mate. Like, let's do that. Yeah. Something a bit different." And um, yeah, it was it was awesome. Like we we tried to catch a hundred fish in the one and a half days, but we only got ninety nine, and we just couldn't get that hundred one. But that's that's so that was awesome. Like just that first day was unreal, catching a heap of fish and a few big ones, and just a that's a lot of fish. Yeah, it is, and there were some good ones in there too. So. Um, I was stoked with that. It was a, a great start to the year. Everything's looking awesome at the moment. So if you if you're keen um, um, to catch a cod or your first cod or even just get into a few numbers like now now's the time to yep. to come down anywhere. Yeah, anywhere. It's just so good at the moment. Yeah, same for down here. Um, you've probably heard us talk about it. Yeah, the rivers are just yeah in 
top shape. It's just flow. If so, the irrigation rivers, while it's running high, they're they're painfully annoying to fish. But as soon as they drop and the flow clears up, it's game on. Yeah. Um, and a lot of rivers have already dropped and they're clear and running good and it's game on. So it's going to be a cracker of a if if we get which you probably will up there because they're not they don't pump the water in your part of the world. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a cracking March, April, May. Absolutely epic. Yeah. So good. Floods just are so good, especially three years of stacks of rain. Um, it'll be good to get back on the water and have those epic sessions. So now's the time to make most of the rivers. Exactly, yeah. You got to wait. You got to push through those floods and drought years. But when it's on, it's only short. Like I know we had a really good short window down this way in 16, 17. It hasn't been the same since. So it's it's time to make the most of it. Um, what's... Uh, actually, before I jump onto that, I want to talk a little bit about the gear you run, but in specific, when you're chasing bigger cod, right, mm-hmm. I want to talk about that, the, the, the big M that you use, the hard body. Yep. Now, do you use it just because it's a good lure and it catches all fish or do you find it actually, as a hard body, it's very different to a normal hard body. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have a massive like drag on your line. When no. you wind it, it's quite subtle. It doesn't dive deep, does it? No, so the funny thing is like, like the the big M, like it sort of it sort of blew out. Like just everyone's been buying them and um, catching good fish on them. It, it actually it blew up the cod world sort of thing. The big M, like every, everyone's catching good fish on them. But the funny thing is, like I actually have a lot of people message me after buying one and swimming it for the first time. Is like, like dude, this lure doesn't even work. I can't even feel it working. And I said, no, trust me, it, it works. That's that's what you you don't have to be feeling anything. It just sort of the, the 2.0, so on a long cast, like it, it can get down to two metres, but you, that's not sort of its best sort of range. You want to be fishing that um, in low light conditions as on a very, right. very, very slow line. So it's just ticking under the, um, the water surface. And you can't really, honestly, you can't feel it um, actually no. working at all. But it just has that, that tiny little tight action and it just catches so many fish and I, I can't recommend the lure enough, especially if you just want to go out and catch a few fish. Like if you're fishing at the right times, the right conditions, you'll bang you'll bang fish on them. There, there's been times like when it when it first come out to um into Australia, Adam Townsend actually had the first couple, and I was fishing with him. And at the time, like I, I had nothing to do with fever then, and um he like the bite was just completely shut down, and he was like, oh I've got this lure, I might throw this on, and bang 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 and i was like what is going on like i was trying everything and yeah i, I don't honestly i don't know what it is but it's just it might be that little tight action just under the surface where the, where the fish is sitting at the time but it, it just catches so many fish yeah i was gonna say because it's a it's a it's a different sh- it's, it's pretty much a hard body but it's a different profile yeah. so, so it kind of matches your carp yellow belly profile yeah. it's the right profile but what i wanted to explain or what i wanted to get you to say which you did was about that that low light it's not a lure that you would you personally probably had a stack of success on in the middle of the day when it's super bright and sunny it's a lure that works well almost doing exactly what a swim bait would do exactly. in, a, in a river it's just way more snag resistant and heaps easier to fish and they cast like it's, a bullet too yeah yeah don't they and it's there for, and that's why I wanted to talk about it, something that we've sort of been finding lately on rivers is that do you find that in that prime time, you do not want to be fishing deep oh, I, on a river system? No, no way. Um, you don't want to be, 
you, yeah, you want to be talking, targeting the fish that are, that are feeding. So a, a feeding fish isn't going to be down sitting deep and, and sulking. Like they're going to be up and high in the water column, up in the shallows. So you want, that's where your lures need to be. Like, um, so it, even if they're not hitting, like I've, I've had no success on surface since the season opened, which is pretty crazy. Um, and I've been tending to switch back to the big M 2.0 just because it does, it dives just under the water. So if they're not willing to hit a surface or like they're going to jam that. Um, yeah. So yeah, you, you want to be targeting fish in low light conditions that are, that are obviously wanting, wanting to hit something, wanting to eat. So you need to be fishing it high up in the water column and like cod's eyes are on top of their head. They're going to say it or, or up in the shallows. Like if you, if they're on and you cast in the, in the right spot, you, you'll definitely catch fish on them. So you're, so when you go to fish that prime time, first two and a half hours, what depth do you like to keep your lure in? Like 50 to 80 centimeters or like 40 to 60 centimeters? Like you're fishing up high, aren't you? Yeah. So I'm not like when it's light, like I am honestly, I'm just turning Turn, like winding very very slowly so yeah it, it would be just under the surface like you said that that for maybe that 40 centimeters um and it's just like slowly ticking along under the water as slow as possible and they, they get that nice little tight action and there's just i'm not sure what it is but there's something about them they just they might they might imitate some sort of bait fish that has the right profile like you said and, and they just catch fish for some reason yeah they're, they're an awesome lure so say you didn't have that lure what what's another lure you'd throw in early light and how would you fish it so back back before um so before that i, I really didn't even use any sort of um crankbaits or hard body lures i was always throwing like chatterbaits um of an early, like light chatterbaits like bigger profile though just something that would just tick under that um in that sort of high water column that's usually that's what, how you'd fish it yep. you'd, you'd fish a chatterbait but you yep. wouldn't let it sink hey no no way cast it in keep it up yeah that's a the reason I wanted you to explain that is because people will go out and this is this is the learning journey yep. and they will tie on the same lure and fish the same style lure from first light till sunset. Yeah. It's a zonal thing. You've got top water period or just under. Yeah. Then you've got a period where you still want to be just under but the top water bite slows. And then as the day progresses, that's when you want to be fishing deeper in the water. Yep. And then as the afternoon comes in, you need to be fishing up. And this is mainly for your bigger fish. If you sink your lure down to the bottom first light, you'll still catch stacks of small fish because they'll be everywhere. Yeah. But, and, and and you've got it down pat because, you, and that's why you land bigger fish. You need to be fishing above those bigger fish. And something that really brought it to mind uh, on a session I just did was, it wasn't even early. It was throughout the middle of the day because the clouds come out. Yeah. We were actually getting fish eating a hard body, just a normal hard body that dives to two meters. They were eating it at the boat consistently. Yeah. At the boat, at the boat, at the boat. And we're like, what is going on? And we worked out that they're actually waiting for the lure to get above their eyes. So they must be following it, following it, following it. The lure gets above their eye line, then they eat it. Yeah. I'm like, we're fishing too deep. Yeah. Change the lure to a lure that doesn't dive that far, like a shallow diving hard body. Bang, we're getting hit straight away up in the structure because. The fish were staged high in the timber. Yep. So important, eh? Well, that's like you said. Like you picked up picked up on that pretty quickly. Like most people, you you really need to take things in, and that's what you learn sort of when you're by yourself. Um, like you picked up up on that very quickly that you're fishing too deep. You need to be fishing above their eye line for them to be able to see it. So them little things there, um, 
you need to be picking up on that when you're fishing to, to consistently ca- like catch fish through the, throughout the day. Like you need to see where if you're not catching any fish, throwing a bait that's in the high water column, you don't keep throwing it all day. Like you said, like change it up, go a bit, go down a bit deeper and see if you catch any fish. They're not there like fish on the bottom. And if you start catching fish there throughout, like throughout the day, like full sun and everything, and they're sitting on the bottom, that's where you're going to catch fish, not up high. Like you need to be constantly changing and checking where the fish are sitting because they're not going to be like you said in one spot through the whole 24 hours yes exactly and one the big thing to me especially with your bigger fish is that yeah they love they love looking up to eat they've like the little ones the little ones will chase it and move and hit and yeah and they can get you into a if you're after a big fish you could go fish a river with a lure and catch heaps of little fish and go well they're eating it i'm doing the right thing but if you're really after a bigger one you've actually got to think quite a bit differently um and little fish can put you in a false sense of security that you're doing something right yeah um but yeah and 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 i knew that's something that you did because that lure is like a fail safe it's it's not a fail safe it's like literally that easy to use yeah and it's a big fish lure because it's a big profile little fish still smack it as much as they want yeah but it's that early period. And I just wanted to know if that's a lure that you don't... Do you fish that lure all day or you'd only fish that lure in those periods when they're actually up and feeding and then later in the day, do you actually... Like on that drip, drift you just did, did you go to something else during the middle of the day? Were the fish still up feeding high or do you wait it to get it down? So, what? yeah, on that trip, we on that drift we did on cod opening, like we were lucky because like it's summer and it gets stinking hot up here. But on that particular day, like it was overcast all day. Like, and we actually had rain out to the east, which we didn't cop, but it stayed overcast all day. So the fish were up high all day, which, which was pretty fun because we were getting a lot of visual eats and stuff. So we actually didn't, we didn't change lures all day just because they were hitting like the BM in the 2.0 model all day long because it was overcast condition. So again, like we're fishing to the conditions. If if it was sunny, I wouldn't be throwing that that lure all day, no way, because the fish would drop yeah. down deep again. But that particular day, because it was overcast, the fish stayed up high for a longer period of time. So we did fish it all day and we caught fish all day on that. But it, like I said, it, it, it's different too because there's rivers I fish where they're not very deep. So I, I can use the the big M 2.0 for example because i'm still keeping it like in a good range on a fast wind that they're still going to see it even if they are sitting deep because the river's like only two three meters deep yeah but yeah yep. you have to adjust to to the river you're fishing and the, and the conditions 100 percent, like what you said yeah i've found the same results you using that lure i've got as one of those i've got a custom crafted hammerhead but it's got a really shallow bib on it and as soon as we start using that it only really dives a meter and a bit and straight away that's sort of my go-to low light lure yeah and then later in the day either a deeper hard body or something we've been using lately that i've really found to be cool is the weedless plastics you can literally fish them high in the morning and then as the day gets on you can actually start to feed them down deeper obviously they're weedless so you miss some fish but um yeah can put them in some crazy places but same concept i don't just cast that lure let it sink deep and roll it out first light i literally cast it in let it sink a foot and just roll it just under the surface yeah um yeah you just gotta it's it's, it's cool it's it's pretty exciting especially when you talk to someone but it's cool learning hey you still continue to learn every and there's yeah. so much about cod that we don't know every trip i, I like I, I learned something different. There's never going to be anyone that 
that knows everything about pod. Like everyone knows something that the other person doesn't know. So that's why it's good. Like for the the stuff you do, like you put content out there for people that are just getting into fishing. Um, they learn so much very quickly, which was impossible back in the day. So they can put all that stuff together, go out to the river, test it out. If it doesn't work for them, like they go out and do something different and then they catch a fish and they go back and look at some other content and then they're like, oh, yep, that works for me. I'm going to put that on that particular river, that condition, that lure work for me. So just write everything down. Like I'm, I'm sure that everyone out there that, that chases and they've, they've got certain patterns that they like to fish and certain ways and whatnot everyone's different and nothing's wrong or nothing's right which is which is good said it well mate yeah what's if can you think of anything that's been a challenge for you with chasing cod obviously let's talk about the river scene after your after your initial not tying challenge which is going to be yeah. a, a lifelong winner there's no there's no beating that one but after the empowerment scene let's talk about rivers over the last three or four years is there something that's been a challenge? It's a weird question and, and you, if nothing pops up, don't worry about it. We'll go on to another one. Yeah. But is there anything that's popped into your head that's been a challenge for you chasing cod, trying to line up a certain way they behave based on certain weather or getting them to bite in a certain area or, or flow or condition? Or is anything popped to your mind that's been a challenge? Um, weird question. Especially for someone who fishes with so many fish up that way. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't think so because um, there's just so many different areas around that area where we can fish. So, like, I don't really – there's always some way to fish here. Like, even in floods, like, some creeks just don't don't get the, yeah. don't get the water that, that's coming down a certain system. So, if, like, one area is buggered for a week, like, you've always got some way to fall on it, even if you just want to go catch a few fish, like – that's insane that like I'm talking other species too, like yellow belly trout, um, bass or whatever. There's there's always something to fall back onto if you just want to get that each sort of out of the way. Like Yeah. Um, what about like um hook up rates or different gauge hooks or have you ever found an issue with getting busted off by fish or anything there stand out at all that's been a challenge ever? Uh, certain lures or no, nothing that sticks out. Well, yeah, I, like I said, from from a very early age, like after that year period where I was a bit lazy and getting everyone to do stuff for myself when I was, I wasn't, yeah, back then, like that was a challenge, like finding the right terminal to use on, on your lures to make sure that they actually swim the way they're supposed to. Um, yeah. But nowadays, like that's pretty easy when, when you sort of do, do it all the time. So... All, all, yeah. all my, all my lures and stuff. I, I upgrade the sweet rings and, um, and hooks and everything on them straight away before, I, before I swim them. So I don't have any issues there that I get bust yeah. off on any terminal, terminal issues yeah, cool. or stuff. So yeah, it, I'm pretty lucky where I'm. Like I said, because even if one area is um, bad because of flooding or whatever reason conditions, or I can, I've always got somewhere to go really. Yeah, cool. Just real quickly, what mainline, what poundage line lead are you running and what rod and reels you go to? So um, line-wise, I run 40-pound braid, 40-pound leader on absolutely every everything I do. doesn't matter where I am, impoundments, river, creeks, lakes, wherever, yeah. all the same. Um, 
Rod wise, my my favourite rod. I know it's a bit overkill when you're fishing out of a kayak or like in a creek or a river. Um, is the Mirasami wakebait rod seven five one medium? Like it's a seven seven foot five rod, like pretty big to be hiking yep. around on the river and in a kayak. That like I just, it's again, it's what what you're confident in in your gear. Um, it because you do usually run into a big fish around our area. Doesn't matter where you're fishing, so. I want that security that um, I'm able to get that fish out out of the structure pretty yep. quickly, and um, it throws like from anything small to massive, like two to two to eight ounces, easy. So yep. I can throw them big baits like the Battalion One Ninety, um, all the mad drafts and stuff like that. So got no issues there. But I do have like the I have a few rod, rods in the Mega Bass Valkyrie range. The my favorite there would probably be the the XH model, which is a six foot one. So it throws like half ounce to sort of four ounces so i don't know it's all the gear i use is i'm pretty lucky like i said like the, the gear i use I, I i find it like it's the ferrari of fishing so i'm really petite too like with all my gear like when when um someone comes over i've actually got like one of our bedrooms is just in inside not it not in a shed it's not it's not going in the shed with dust on it it's in a bedroom and it's like a full it's like a tackle shop like I put everything. Yeah, I put everything back where it's supposed to be. Um, it's like a little museum in there, really. Um, <laughs> I, I really, That's yeah. Funny. I look after my gear, and um, because like, I'm I'm super grateful that I'm able to get it and stuff. So I really look after it. But yeah, I've got a lot of lot of rods, um, rods and reels. I use the main reel I'd use, like no affiliations with Diver, but Diver. Um, but I just I love the row. I get the fifteen twenty. I'm left handed, so the fifteen twenty HL. Um, yeah, I just absolutely love that reel. I think I've got five or six of them. <laughs> yeah, nice. Um, the Zillion HD is good too, and then I've got a few from Mega Bass there too. But they're sort of got the same gear ratio and the same components too as what Diver use. So um, yeah, yeah, that's sort of the gear I use. Cool, nice. I was just keen because everyone's sort of keen to hear what everyone uses. Yeah, um, it's all different, all interesting. Um, when you're chasing bigger fish, we're nearly done, mate. Um, when you're chasing bigger fish, do you approach your session differently on a river? So, do you find that if you were to take someone out who's fishing for the first time and they just want to catch a fish, would you fish differently with them than you would personally yourself on a river chasing a bigger fish? And I'm talking about the structure you fish, how quickly you fish, the lure you fish, and your boat position or your bank position, but let's say boat. Yeah, so if I if I were to take um someone out that's like just a novice sort of um I wouldn't I wouldn't take them straight out to the gorge country just because of the terrain and stuff I'd like to take them back onto the McIntyre um where I know that there so there's a lot of um there's a great abundance of fish in certain sections so like and you you you're in the zone the whole time like because it. The, Mac, the upper McIntyre is not really deep. It doesn't have many deep sections, so you're always your lure is going to be in the zone from like that that one meter range to three meters. That's about as deep as it gets. So I'd, I'd take them out there where I know there's a lot of fish. Um, their lure is always going to be in the zone. There's there's a lot of like trees and different sort of structure like rocky rocky corners and stuff where like the fish are definitely going to be if they're willing to feed. So I'd tell them to cast out to there and just and move on. Like don't don't put 15 20 casts into one spot like two or three bang move on to the next part like if a fish is down it's hungry it, it, it'll eat you lower within the first two or three casts 
Do you do the same? Do you do you think the same with big fish too? Do the same thing? Like a couple of casts, move on, they'll eat it. It's yes and no. It's weird actually. Um, depend again. It depends where I'm fishing. If I'm if I'm fishing up in the gorge, like above our two main dams around here, I won't put many casts into into the same area because I know if they're willing to eat that and they see it, they're gonna hit it within the first two or three casts, and then then I'll move on straight away. But if I'm fishing like the lower sections of our rivers where I'm based where the river's like nice and wide and you've got a few laydowns and stuff, like you've got to put more casts into them sections because they could be on any part of the log and any part of the branch, you're not sure um, exactly where they're sitting. They could be sitting up a little bit higher than usual or a little bit deeper down under the log. So yeah, you've got to, you've got to put a lot more casts into them sections like where... And is that like a section where you've got a lot more depth and the water's a lot slower moving under- rather than quicker moving where there's literally a pocket where you know he's going to be staged 100 percent, yeah that's where you yeah. you need to put more cast into them sort of areas yeah what kind of country do you prefer to fish the fast ambush sort of country or that slow stuff ah uh, definitely the fast water <laughs> <laughs> yeah nice um they they just oh, heaps better oh, eh? they just they go so hard when they're up in that fast water and they're, they're feeding and they're waiting for something to like a, a lot of people, like when, when people compare Barra, like I've never chased Barra before, but a lot of people compare Barra and Murray Cod and say Murray Cod don't fight. And there's Cod that certainly do put on a good show. Um, Like if you if you are fishing in, in fast water and they're, they're willing to eat something, they're waiting for something and they eat, eat your lure, like they hit you so hard, at, like it makes your knees weak and, and they put on a good show. Like they're not they're not a dead weight or anything. They, they go super hard on, on tough gear. They're good, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I agree with you though. Down around here, I much prefer to fish when the river's really low because when the river drops down here, it actually gets quite quick. Well, it's quick when it's high, but yeah. it gets like pool water. So you've got like rapid flow at the top of the pool and then it slows up and then it's quicker again. Yeah. My favorite spot is always the head of the pool in the fast stuff. 100%. It's literally two casts, one at the front, one at the back, jam you straight away and just go for it. Yeah. 100%. That's another thing that, like what you just touched on then when when people are fishing like fast water like i don't waste any time on like the middle section where it's like a bit deeper and stuff like fish the fish the tops and the bottoms of the pools like and then move on to the next part because you're you will be targeting fish that are willing to eat a lure then like don't don't waste time putting 20 casts waiting for your lure to sink to the bottom and then slow winding back fish like the fast water and stuff 100 percent. yep Making the most of, well, where the big fish are yeah. or any, any fish, yeah. any hungry fish, but also making the most of your entire session. Exactly, yeah. We just did three days in the ovens and it was like that. It was literally pool, like but they're mini, they're tiny little runs, little pool, next little bend, little run. But it was literally, we'd fish the front of the pool and the middle of the pool at the same speed, but you'd literally, the front of the pool, you'd put a couple of casts, bang, 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 catch a fish. Middle of the pool, you'd notice they'd die. Yep. Like straight away, they'd be like, no, none on that cast, none on that cast. But you wouldn't worry about fishing it too deep. You'd sort of just put a cast yep. wherever there was a bit of flow and sort of just keep cruising and then fish the bottom. Um, and you just catch more fish. The more water you cover, the more fish you catch. Except for one concept we did do was when the sun was up, middle of the day, there was a couple of really nice pools. We started fishing really tight up in the... We were only chasing small fish, not big fish. Yep. But you're fishing right up in the tight 
pockets of the shade because there's literally no shade. So if you get your lure in the shade, that shade pocket becomes the feed zone, which is kind of what the flow would be like up further. Now, mate, we're nearly finished. One last thing. Can you share the story of your best catch? And if this one isn't your best catch, is it the 123 that you caught? Um, most best, best catch or most memorable? Most memorable. Okay. Um, yeah. Like this is another 120 fish, but yeah, not, not, not my biggest, but just this one. I don't know. It's, it was just the way it all went down was, um, more memorable for me. Is it the, is it the one you caught recently? That was a meter 23? No, this one was a 121 fishing, um, fishing, um, in that gorge country just above the dam when the dam was really low back at like 40%. So yeah. like way, way, way down the gorge, not where I'm fishing at the moment. Yeah, big, so big, big river fish. Oh, damn! Like yeah, damn fish, but pushed up in the river. Oh, um, true. Yeah. But um, yeah, he he was a he was a stonker. Like he went one twenty one, but just the the way um it went down, like like I could remember like every every second of it. Like so, leading leading up to um this particular morning, I'd actually got snapped off buy a fish in the in the same pool up in the shallows and i was like oh no i'm not having any of that i'm going out again the, the morning before and i was doing a lot of these morning sessions before work because back then like i could do that and go to work but now it's just it wrecks me too much but yeah anyway so i went back out um this was before the sun come up i'm not sure what the moon was doing back then this was going a couple of years back but um I was using the, a big 250 mil chatterbait, same concept as the big M now. So you'd cast out, um, they're, they're three quarter ounce chatterbaits. Um, I was just slot, like slow winding them, keeping them up, up off the bottom. And anyway, I was fishing the top of the pool, same area where I got snapped off the morning before. And I was like, come on, you gotta be here somewhere, hoping that it was the same fish. I'm not sure if it was because I didn't find a lure in its mouth or anything like that. But anyway, I cast out, Everything just felt right. You know, them, them mornings yep. where everything just, you just like, oh, like you got the jitters, like, oh, I'm going to get it yes. here. I'm going to get it here. And anyway, I cast out. This was like third cast of the morning. No joke. Bang. I was on. And I was like, whoa, this is a big fish. Hey, just up in the shallows. Like, you know, they do them big tail slaps on top of the yep. water. But I couldn't really yep. see because it was still dark. And I was like, oh, no, like I was, I was getting panicking being by yourself and whatnot. Anyway, I got him in, fought him, and I was like, holy shit, this is a big – that was my PB at the time. I was like, this is a big fish. What am I going to do? So when you catch a big fish by yourself on the river, it is so hard to look after the fish, oh. set a camera up, and do everything like by yourself. And that's another reason why I like fishing by myself because you take absolutely everything in. You have to do everything yourself. Yeah. And making sure you look after that fish so it goes back the way it should be. Like I've I've seen a, a few few things over the years where like I, I don't I don't agree on like the fish laying on the sand for five minutes while you set up your, your camera and that. So I, I get a lot of a lot of smack for using a GoPro for my stuff. Like my content and stuff, like another thing like I don't even I don't care, like whatever you can say what you want about me, but it's the best way the quickest way and the best way for me to look after the fish and get like video a and, decent photo. and decent photo because all you have to do is quickly screw on your tripod with one hand, set it up on the bank, it's on a tripod, press the video, bang, you've got footage. And then the fish is in the water still. Like I don't even have to get out. Yeah. So I yeah. I'd get a heap of smack for that, but whatever. But yeah, it was a good fish. Um, 
what he went 121 but the the funny thing was i was actually this was in the middle of winter in june it would have been like minus five degrees so i was actually in the river to nurse the fish so there was a bit of light to come up so i could get a bit of footage and i was yep. so my boots were wet like up to my ankles and the fish kicked and I slipped on a rock. I went in up to my shoulders in the river, oh. <laughs> in the in the dark. And I, I was like, "Hang on to this fish," because I was just hang, hanging on to him with like my, my hand. And I was like, "Hang on!" And he he was like, he wanted to go. And I was like, "Oh no, I'm gonna lose this fish. I'm soaking wet." Anyway, I I ended up um getting everything done and stuff. Waited for the sun come, and I I was so cold. I got so sick. Like for the next four days, I think I. Did ya? Yeah, I got absolutely so because yeah, cool. I I needed to get some sort of content, and I just waited for the sun to come up, and I was shivering the whole time. But I was so stoked because it was such a big fish, and like I, I hadn't I'd caught a, a one twenty plus from Copeton, but I, I hadn't caught one that big from like a river section before. So, and anyway, so that's the most memorable because all that stuff went down. I ended up getting sick, and on the way out, I actually buggered my car. I was that cold, like driving home back, like four wheel driving, actually ran into a rock on the right-hand side and buggered up like the wheel alignment, which ended up uh-huh. costing like a lot for the car I had back then. So it was all like a bit of a, a bit of a show, but it was the most memorable. Good to, yeah. good to talk back about. Good yeah, to think definitely. back on now that it's happened. But yeah, that, that back then, like when the dam's at 40%, like the, the gorge country up there is just, it's great. Like you, you really have to at least fish it once just to, to get that feeling experience like it's, it. Yeah, it's, it's sort of my home way from home I, I love it up there nice nice that's epic mate yeah i'm sure there's heaps of cool stories but thanks for sharing that um is there any last piece of advice you have for anyone chasing fish or just life advice um at all that you'd like to share before we finish up um yeah that main thing like that we've already touched on like i'd already tell a lot of people i said like if if you start if you're wanting to start chasing cod like um uh, like consistently like get yourself a little book and start writing writing your sessions down where you're going like everything we've talked about jot it all down and like I'm, I'm more than happy to to help people just dm me um on instagram I can, I can put you in some good locations and and whatever you want to ask like I, honestly i get back to everyone I, I don't ignore anyone um if i don't want to answer some of the questions like i tell you i said mate like there's other people that fish my my sort of spots too and I don't want to upset anyone so I'm an open book if you've got any questions just just um ask me and I'll answer them the best I can I, I like to help people and, and the best thing about that is too like you get messages back saying oh hey mate like we we went to that spot you told me to go to we were there camping and um I banged I banged seven fish one one was a good one my biggest fish I've ever caught like that's super rewarding I, I reckon anyway how good is yeah. it but you'd get that a lot more than me because you 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 do that sort of stuff and I, I, I understand like why like the feeling you'd get out of that too because I get a little bit of it too which is which is an awesome feeling to, to help someone and um, just for them to share, share a moment and be happy because that's why we all do it. That's it, mate. You nailed it. Spot on. Um, one other thing that popped in my head, do you fish, you're on foot most of the time. Yep. How much fishing do you do from a kayak and do you have your own little tinny that you fish from or do you have a boat no so no no boat yet um i definitely will get one um when i can't do this sort of thing anymore i do a heap of kayak fishing so probably 50 percent kayak 50 percent hiking um and i do do a lot of fishing don't get me wrong like um 
any spare moment if if the missus allows me to or we, we don't have anything on on our free days like I'll, I'll be out there she's pretty good though like she um she supports me with everything i do and she she's um lets me go out because she knows how much i love it so yeah quite 50 percent quiet 50 percent on foot but i'll definitely end up getting um a boat within the next few years i think because um the the long hikes are starting to, to get to me i'm not that, not that um not that fit as I used to be, unfortunately. So small tinny for river or I, boat I, for a day? I'll definitely get both, I think. Um, yeah. Again, like with the boat, um, there's heaps of negativity around. Like I think I've even contributed to that, that life scope debate back then as well. Like I think I, I threw a bit of negative stuff out about that too because I'm so passionate about my rivers and just everything, how I, like, I love the wild, wild side of fishing but who, yep. like, honestly, who cares? Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, this, it's still going on heaps, and like, I don't know why people keep going on about it. I know I, I used to and stuff, but who cares? Like, it's I've been in boats before with people with with life scope, and it's it's not any eat. Like, obviously, you can see a fish. It's more frustrating to me. It's not easy. Like, no, it's not easy. Um. So yeah, I, I hope this all like stops. Like, it's been pretty good this year, but. Man, like I just hope it all stops because I even went through a stage like a couple of years ago when like I was just getting me too much. Like I stopped fishing for six months completely just because it was getting getting too much. But I just hope like through this podcast, like I've been trying to tell people as well, like the negative negativity needs to stop. Um, everyone needs to get along with everyone, help one another, and just just fish and have a good time. Perfect, mate. We might leave it there. I don't think there's anything more that we could say that would uh, trump that. So thanks so much for your time. Um, on behalf of myself and everyone listening, really, really appreciate it. And I'd say good luck with your next session, but I feel like you don't need it because <laughs> you've already got to stack on luck with that country that you live in. Yep. But uh, yeah, thanks heaps, mate. Really appreciate it. Um, and hopefully I'll get you back on again one day for another chat. Too easy. Thanks for having me, mate. I appreciate the, the chat. Once again, you've been listening to an episode of the Social Fishing Podcast. And if you want more down the track and in the future, then listen up. I have something very important to share. I want to hear from you. So, there's a few things you can do. First of all, send me an email to reese at socialfishing.com.au letting me know that you listen, letting me know what you enjoy and what you want to see more of or hear more of down the track. Or you can head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review or on your social media stories, Instagram, Facebook, share the podcast and leave a little comment on what you like the most about it. I also want to hear from you requests. Who do you want me to talk to? Who do you want me to interview? What topics do you want us to cover more of? And the reason, the main reason I want to hear from you is so that we know that we can keep producing this epic content because you guys want it. The podcast is all about you and if you guys want the content, I need to hear from you. So please get in contact with us in one of those three ways. Now, I want to once again thank Jackson for jumping on from on behalf of all of you listening and myself. It was epic. I only sent him a message three days ago and he was like, yep, super keen to have a chat and share whatever you want um, and it was an epic, epic episode and what I really do love was getting into the detail about the behavior of cod and how they feed but more importantly was those earlier things that Jackson talked about and the biggest lesson I got from that is just make sure in life in general, you show respect to every single person that you come across, especially people who go 
out of their way and spend time to help you in some way, shape or form. Massive respect for those people. Otherwise, you will not get anywhere in life. And it was amazing for Jackson to admit that through that episode. The other big takeaway from that episode was the learning journey, which is very similar to everyone else's. If you were to do it through trial and error and time, it would take so long and learning from others is massive. Jackson said he learned from other people out there who were willing to take him for a fish and he learned so much from so many different people. Even when he talked about going fishing with Adam Townsend, he would have learned so much by being in the presence of great anglers like that but learning so much from them but not everyone gets that opportunity and I realized that from a very young age. Not everyone has that amazing opportunity to have a mentor or someone to help them and that is the entire reason I started Social Fishing, this podcast, our channels, our social channels but more importantly, the Social Fishing membership. The membership is there as your mentor group. We have so many keen anglers in there willing to help and if you don't have the opportunity or you're not lucky enough to have someone who is there to help you grow as an angler and teach you, we are there for you. We've got the membership. We're there to answer your questions, stacks of content to help you learn how to fish maps helping you where to fish and we're there all the time to ask questions we're there to help so as jackson said you will skip so much time by having someone there to help you just remember that option is there inside the membership so make sure you go check it out if you are after more content and you want to learn and grow and catch more fish anyway that is it from this episode we're going to have more coming up very soon we have some critical topics we're going to be talking about our ovens river drift that we did recently for three days that episode will be out hopefully within the next couple of weeks and i've also got another one coming up very soon with a legend jimmy barwick on his process of going from never chasing cod before to learning how to chase big cod with lures to then getting them on the fly that'll be an epic episode coming up very very soon that is it from me and i'll be talking to you very soon and like i said if you want more go to socialfishing.com.au and check out the membership thanks again for the chat with jackson huge shout out mate you've done a really awesome job um, with your fishing the amount of fish you catch is just ridiculous and I just want to thank you very much for jumping on board. Anyway, that is it from me. My name is Reese Creed and you've been listening to The Social Fishing Podcast. <laughs>